All right, here we go. Good morning, everyone. You're welcome to the first episode of the Chris Updike Show. Well, my name's Chris Updike. I teach full-time, just starting my podcast today, today's show number one. Um, what we're looking to do is have some positive people in the local community come out, share their stories, hopefully inspire some others to, uh, you know, get out of their comfort zone a little bit and take that leap. Today, I have my first guest, good friend of mine, personal friend of mine, Scott Goodale. He is the head wrestling coach at Rutgers University. Scott, good morning. Welcome. Good morning, Chris. Great to be with you, man. I'd like to just take a second, just thank you for being here, being our first guest. It means a lot. Um, You know, you started out as a high school teacher coach. So you started out in Jackson, your hometown. Tell us a little bit how that job came up, your teaching job, how you got involved in coaching in Jackson. Uh, I was I'm a little bit different probably than everybody else. I kind of knew what I wanted to do at a really, really young age. I knew I was going to eventually, obviously I went to Jackson, and eventually I was going to go away to college, but I always wanted to come back and be a physical educator and, and teach and coach. And, and I knew that at an early age. My, my grandfather coached for 35 years. My mother was an assistant athletic director at the Get School in the Jackson School District. My sister obviously now is coaching, well, maybe not obviously to the listeners, but she's a coach at Jackson for the last 20 years. My father coached everything from Little League Baseball in Jackson to Pop Warner Football to uh, uh, wrestling. So I knew at a very early age what I was going to do. I just happened to have to go away for five years, Lock Haven University, and then come back to Jackson and, and teach. My friends going through high school would always make fun of me, tell me I was going to be a gym teacher, and I would always correct them and let them know I'm going to be a physical educator slash driving instructor, which is exactly what I did. I actually got a degree from Lock Haven uh, in special education. I was in the classroom for eight years, never really wanted to leave, even though I had a health and phys ed degree. I didn't want to go into the gym, and it wasn't until my last three years at Jackson I decided to do that. So just knew at an early age I was going to go away, college, come back and coach and teach at Jackson. That's exactly what I want to do. It's all I ever, ever wanted to do, and I loved every, every second of, of coaching and teaching there. I coached football. I coached wrestling. I coached baseball. I dabbled in golf. Uh, I even dabbled in a little softball. So at that time, it was ever whoever's winning. I kind of jumped on that wagon and, and kind of hitched to it. So, uh, but that was my that was my whole life. That's all I ever ever wanted to do. And then just happened to have some really good teams, and I'm sure we'll get into it. And uh, this Rutgers opportunity opened up, and I, I took it. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that high school run that you had first uh, with the football team. You were the OC there for how many years? Uh, I think I was the offense coordinator. I did quarterbacks with Reggie Lawrence. And I did running backs with Chris Barnes first. Then I did quarterbacks with Reggie Lawrence. Then when Mike Smith took the job, I, maybe it was 2002, I became the offensive coordinator. So it was about five, six years. Now you guys had some good runs there in the early 2000s, yeah? Yeah, yeah so we won a state <coughs> championship. I think Barnsley's last year, Barnes and Panicky's last year, we were, it was uh, 99. We went 9-2, and two, lost to Eastern, who at that time had Adam Talaferro. Uh, Omar Miles, two kids go on to Penn State, great football, great high school football players. But then those guys left for a wall. We get this guy, Reggie Lawrence, head coach, and then who we just didn't, we knew at that point we had a really, really good team. And I think that first year in 2000, we ended up number two in the state. Mm-hmm. And then the year after, we ended up number one in the state, 2001. So it was back to back state championship teams. Um, 
just some some awesome players. Nick Castellanos, Joe Saratelli, Ray Brown, Ray Nemec, it goes on and on. Gary Edwards, uh, just some awesome, awesome high school football players. And those were some good times. And then, of course, Mike Smith takes over. Uh, we win another. We, we we lose in a state final 2004, win another state title in 2005. And in 2005, that was at Rutgers. That was at Rutgers, yeah. It was probably the most exciting high school football game. I think it was actually ranked number one high school football game ever at the Shore because it was 30-28, to 28, last play of the game. Uh, at Rutgers. In right, the, no time left on the clock. Enzo, no time on the clock. Corey Lavin to Ruggiero uh, for a touchdown that ended the whole season. December 5th, cold, stormy winter night. Uh, we were the last team to play, Central Jersey Group 4 at the time. Uh, but what an exciting game. And then we had a couple more years there where we made the playoffs, and then I was I was gone. Now, in Jackson, too, you also run the wrestling staff, starting out there as an assistant under Al Ayers. Was mm-hmm. Ayers the, the, the head when you were the assistant? He was. Ayers, uh, he was my high school coach. First, it was Dave Porfirio when I was there in the late 80s, and then it became Al Ayers. My last two years was under Al Ayers. I wrestled under him. And then when I got back from Lock Haven five years later, uh, obviously I was the head coach still, and uh, that's uh, he knew that's something I always wanted to do. And it's interesting. This is, this is kind of neat. The principal there now, Kevin DeGenio, was an assistant coach there. And this guy was kind of like nice enough to know. I was coming back from college. Wrestling was my whole life. Uh, loved wrestling, wanted to always coach at Jackson. He kind of stepped aside and allowed me to be a paid assistant coach. And uh, and then Kevin never coached again. I never coached. I think I might have done one year with him. But then he obviously became an administrator, got an administrator, and now was the principal. But he, he stepped aside, allowed me to be the assistant coach. I think it was 95, 96 season. Mm-hmm. And that was my first year, really. I helped out with football, but wasn't really on staff yet. And then I became the the assistant wrestling coach during the winter. And then the, the rest is history. Just stayed with it for about four or five years and became the head coach. And what year did you actually take over head coaching? 2001 was my first year 2001. As, as a head coach. So Al Air stepped down, allowed me to be the head coach. It wasn't something I forced or really wanted. It's just he it was time for him to he follow his. Him. Yeah, it was time for him to go follow his kids around. And but he still wanted the coach, and uh, so we just switched roles. Nothing really changed. It was great, and we had some really really good teams. We won our first. Actually, in two thousand, we won our first short conference. First time we beat Burke Memorial mm-hmm. in the short conference final. So that was Al Ayers kind of ended his career winning that. So you guys had some nice runs in there. Now, were you the head coach from 01 to 06? Is that right? 01 to 07 until I left. So 2001, you know, we won the short conference tournament. The next, we actually lost two or three of them. Then we won four in a row. But, yeah, we had some nice runs. And I think it started in 2005 when we really became, you know, I mean, Jackson Wrestling's always been Jackson Wrestling. Right. It's always been really, really good with incredible tradition started by Bernie Ryder and Joe Pepe and Dave Perfirio, Al Ayers. So I just happened to be the next coach. And those years in 2005, 6, and 7 were some incredible years. And, you know, not only did we finish number one in the state of New Jersey, probably more importantly, we were finished number three or four in the country. In the country, I remember that, because you took a group out to Minnesota that one year, right? Yeah, that was, that was really where we... And really, from that point on, everybody started going out of state because it, it was about challenge yourself against the best teams in the country. The Shore Conference wrestling, again, has a great tradition. It's always been really, really good. But we'd always beat up on each other. And I think what we did at Jackson was a little unique. We started wrestling Paulsboro on a Saturday night. We started mm-hmm. wrestling Central Catholic on a Saturday night. High point. On a, so whoever the best teams in the state were, we would go. Whether they were coming to us, we were going to them. We would wrestle. And that became fun. Then we decided, let's go out to Minnesota. And that's really where we got our national ranking. I mean, we were always, 2005, I think we were ranked 20th. And then 2006 and 7, we were three, as high as three or four. That all became, because of that trip out to Minnesota, 
winning at the clash or, or taking second at the clash and that's really where we kind of blew up and even our guys got more national recognition I mean Scotty Winston was always the number one guy in the country number two guy in the country but you know guys like Ken Carney and Sean Burns and, and Cohen and Swan and Kinch I can go on and on Derek Russell they be all became kind of like nationally known and nationally ranked so it was good for those guys and uh you know, we always could fall back the fact we had Southern Regional, you know, coming up two or three times a year. Yeah. So, but it was all about going out of state, wrestling the best teams in the country, which made that team really, really fun. Right. All right. So we kind of took you, you know, back down memory lane a little bit with mm-hmm. the Jacks and stuff. Let's talk about how the Rutgers job, how it even, how did it come up? How did, was it just open? Did you apply for it? Did some people reach out to you? Talk about how that happened a little bit. So I think, and I could be wrong on this with the dates, but I think 2006, maybe seven that program was in jeopardy of being dropped. And there may be some misconception there that Scott Goodale saved the program. I did not save the program. The coach there, John Saatchi, the assistant coach, Joe Ryan, saved that program. They came up with a whole plan, gave it to the university, and you can't cut wrestling in New Jersey. It's one of the top three states in all of high school wrestling. So that was more of a death wish. They didn't want to do that. And they explained that to me. You know, if I fast forward a little bit, they would explain that to me later. But those guys saved the program. And then it was about how could we, if we're going to save this program, now we got to make Rutgers wrestling relevant. It's got to be relevant not only in the EIWA conference but around the country and in the state. So um, I was approached by a guy. I was still at Jackson. I love my job where state tournament I was approached by a guy named Bill Ard it was actually before a little bit a couple weeks before the state tournament asked me to come up with a five point plan it's well documented at this point I've told this story a bunch but I, I did I wrote this five point plan on a napkin at a restaurant Carabra's restaurant in Brick with my wife over a couple bottles of wine uh, and it was literally on a napkin and it was everything from recruiting to coaching staff to camps to schedule to academics and then I put a lot of thought behind it. Obviously, I didn't want to look stupid. So, And then I handed it to a guy by the name of John Leonardis, who was a professor at the Petty School. Mm-hmm. Bright guy. Figured he could help me out, clean it up, make <clears> it look nice. John just so happens to be my assistant coach for the 12 years now. We would go out to the national tournament every year together. We had a great friendship. So I handed it to him. I said, just make this look good. It has nothing to do with me getting a job. It's just a five-point plan. How can Rutgers wrestling become relevant? I go to the state tournament. I see Mr. Ard who has a son who ends up winning a state title uh, down the road there a little bit. Uh, Give it to him. Uh, He actually was a football player for the New York Giants, so he has a relationship with our athletic director at the time, Bob Mulcahy. And he says, you know, Bob here, Scott made up this five-point plan. He's a wrestling coach in New Jersey with one of the best teams, number one team in New Jersey. Just take a look at it. Next thing I know, I was getting a call, and it was a a six-hour interview. And I never wanted the job. I never wanted to leave. Like, my mom says, oh, this is a dream job. And I have no dream to be the Rutgers wrestling coach at the time. We have this thing going at Jackson where I'm telling you, I'm working with you. I'm working with Frank Malta. I'm working with Drew Gibson. Every single day I wake up, I'm so excited to get to work just because it's so much fun. And I loved, at that time, I moved to phys ed. I loved doing what I was doing. I loved coaching football with Schmitty. Uh, and obviously I loved coaching wrestling. I had a great staff at Jackson, and I thought, I truly believed we have this team that's going to end up beating, we could beat Blair Academy. Like, we could make it, we could be the number one team in the country if things go our way. Like, we're never going to really wrestle Blair, but somehow we got to find a way to get into a tournament or whatever. That's kind of my mindset at the Mm -hmm. time. And then, boom, this opportunity comes up. And it went from we're going to be the number one team in the country to, man, i got to really look into, like, leaving Jackson. Do I really want to leave Jackson? Yeah, and, and that's one of the things we're talking about. You had everything set up at Jackson. I mean, you were super comfortable there. You were on a great football staff with a great 
team there. You had one of the best high school wrestling teams around. And now you're like, oh, am I going to leave all of this to go to Rutgers? So what were you, when they offered you the job, I mean, what was your mindset like when you, you had to make that decision? Well, it's weird. You ever see the, you ever see the Seinfeld episode where Costanza says all the opposite thing? Like, <laughs> yes. I, I, went, I went on the interview. I went on the six-hour interview, and I was like, you need to do this. You need to do – like, I was kind of interviewing, like, this is what Rutgers needs to do to compete at the highest level. So mm-hmm. I wasn't – I held nothing back. I was like, you don't have this. You have a part-time coach. You have this. Like, you have nothing really. I would never take the job unless you were going to put – you know, show that you really wanted wrestling to be great here. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like halfway through, three hours into it, I'm like, you know what? They may make some changes here, and this may be like a reality. But at first, it was like, I don't, I don't. There's it, no way. It didn't matter to me. There's no way I'm coming here. I have everything. Plus, I have two little kids now. Yeah. At the time, Shelby and Zach, and I'm like, I love putting them on the bus. I love watching, you know, getting them from school. You know, I love doing all that, bringing them around our teams at Jackson. I just really love Jackson. I never thought I would leave, and then. I got the opportunity, and it just, boom, it hit me one day. I could make a living just doing what I, just coaching wrestling. I don't have to do, not that I, the whole lesson plan thing. I don't have to do lesson plans. I don't have, you know, I mean, there was were long days at Jackson. It were 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., depending on what you were coaching. So, yeah. and I, I wasn't around my family as much. I'm like, I wonder if this gives me an opportunity to be around my kids a little bit more. And, which as it turns out, really, it was kind of the same. So, but I was like, I... I, I could just do wrestling. I'm going to just be a wrestling coach. And, and then I became freaked out about this. I'm going to make this team the best thing on this campus. We're going to make Rutgers wrestling so big. The university is going to have to support it. They're going to love it. It's going to become a wrestling school. That was me being like a little, I don't want to say cocky, but naive. I'm going to make Rutgers wrestling great. We're going to be a perennial top 10 program. That's the way I started thinking. Right. And I'm like, I, I told my wife, I said, I have to take this challenge. I could always come back. I could always come back and teach somewhere. And I've even thought about that. My first couple of years, I was like, I should probably just go Did back. I do the right thing? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but it, I'm, I was just so freaked out by the challenge. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And we're going to make Rutgers wrestling great. And really, from that first day, when I decided to do it, I picked up the phone, John Leonardis. Uh, it just changed our lives and what, how we had to approach every single day. And it was just so much more than just wrestling. There was so much more. There was fundraising. There was academics. We had to change the whole culture. We had to just make it where everybody on that campus believed in Rutgers wrestling and loved Rutgers wrestling. So that kind of, you led into my next question a little bit. You know, how much of that family piece played into taking that job? Because you're thinking, you kind of really don't know what's involved. There's a lot more travel. You know, in Jackson, you're 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Here, you're going away on weekends. You're traveling across country. You know, so what, what's your philosophy with that with your family and just that whole college philosophy taking that program over? Well, you got to have somebody who, like, unbelievably supports you and is going to be there for you. So I have a great wife, right? Lisa, you know very well. She allowed me, and she wanted me to do this. So mm-hmm. I knew right away I, I was she was on board with what I needed to do. And it was... a. Uh, you know, I tell this story all the time, too. It was, we visited the first day we got the job, August 1st, we visited 250 schools that first year, whether it was clinics, whether it was just visiting the high school, talking to coaches, or whether it was speaking at banquets. We visited and touched 250 schools in New Jersey. That's a lot of travel. That's a lot of time away. But she understood it. She had two little ones at home. Uh, I didn't miss much at that time, but there was a lot of there was a lot of travelers getting on planes, getting on, getting in the car. John and I would drive all over the state into Pennsylvania, Maryland, New York, Virginia, just to visit these coaches and just make Rutgers wrestling relevant. That was our whole plan, and uh, 
it, it was hard. It was hard. And my, my mindset was like, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it to the best of our ability. And as we go and as with our success, we'll start asking for more. I never cared about a facility, never cared what we were wrestling in, never cared about gear and uniforms. I just wanted to wrestle and win matches. And that's that. But do it the right way. Do it the right mm-hmm. way and, and find the right guys that kind of fit what we wanted to do. And, and at first, I recruiting was 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 I don't want to say easy. It's never easy, but we got we we there was so much attention on Rutgers wrestling. Everybody was excited about it. We made it exciting because we were all over talking about it. And I don't know if if the schools in New Jersey were ever visiting high schools, going to matches, and I was going to high school matches all over the state, up in High Point and Bergen and down in Lower Cape May and. And, you know, recruiting, uh, again, it wasn't easy, but we got some really, really good kids. We got some really, really good wrestlers, and then it kicked off our first year. We had the number three recruiting class in the country, as we all know, led by Scott Winston, who was a Jackson guy, uh, which is another crazy story. But um, that's how it all started. That was my mindset. That was my philosophy. I had a wife who believed in it and wanted us to be great, so she allowed me to do whatever I needed to do to do it. And as my kids get older now, it's like, yeah, you know, we've talked, you know, should I come back? And they're like, no way, no way. You stay. They love rockers. So That's great. It worked out. So talk a little bit about you were the, you know, the high school coach going to this D1 job. And I, I people probably bash Rutgers a lot for that, right? We yeah. took the high school guy on. And I'm sure a lot of the other coaches that you guys wrestled against were like, oh, that's great. They, they took on this high school guy, so we don't ever have to worry about Rutgers because the high school coach isn't going to be able to get it done. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that high school. You probably got a lot of flack for that. And then some of the challenges coming into that D1 program, like the scholarship stuff. I know yeah. you had to work with the gymnastics team a little bit. Is that true? You had to work yeah. with the gymnastics yeah. team. You had to get a coaching staff. So talk a little bit about some of those challenges going from a high school program to D1, and, and you're getting a little flack. Rutgers is catching a little flack for it. And some of those challenges that you had going in that you knew were going to be challenges coming into the program yeah that that's you know no one's really ever asked me this whether on podcast or radio or tv or anything but that's a that's an awesome question because that first year they hired a high school coach right uh ruckers they didn't care nobody cared right right there was a honeymoon phase and i I said this maybe once before i would go to the national tournament and all the coaches be like, hey, good, because a lot of them called me to recruit Scott Winston, to recruit Burns and Carney. <laughs> hey, Goody, what's up? How's everything going? Great. So there was that honeymoon phase where nobody really thought anything of it. Oh, they hired a high school coach. To, what are they going to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, we start getting these really good recruiting classes. And then all of a sudden, those conversations started to change. And a lot of those coaches started using it against us, right? Um, well, they got a high school coach. What are you going to do there? Because we became relevant in the recruiting scene because we were getting the number three class in the country. We were getting a lot of good guys. Right. Um, so now they started using that against us. And there was still a honeymoon phase. The state was still fired up. It went about two or three years where it became the honeymoon phase was over. It was about we're winning and we're winning a lot of dual meets, but what are you doing at the national tournament? What are you doing tournament? at the national tournament? So that became really, really hard. That became really, really hard on me. Uh you know, personally, because they were right, right? And you always have to self-reflect, and are we doing all the right things? And what do we need to be doing better? Do I have to hire more people? Which, obviously, at the time, we had three guys on staff, including Frankie Egger. Now we have a full staff, which I'm sure we'll get into. But, yeah, that became really, really difficult, really, really hard. And uh, and you don't get over the hump at the national tournament, and then they're really starting to hit you. Well, he's a high school coach. And at first, I took that as a compliment. Yeah, I was a high school coach. Uh, this experience you're going to have at college, and this is what I would tell recruits, is going to be the closest thing to high school wrestling because I'm, in, I'm passionate about it. I love it. I want a fan base. I want to cheer. I want to pump my fist. I want to I make it fun. Right. I want to make it fun. And 
I think maybe it was the third or fourth, maybe Winston's sophomore year, junior year, we pick off Virginia Tech, they're number three in the country. And all of a sudden you could start to see it's really starting to happen. The place was packed, the rack was packed, and we're beating the number three team in the country. And then it's like, wow, this is the closest thing to high school's right. There's nothing yeah, like high school I was wrestling. At that match. Yeah. I was at the match almost front row, and I yeah. remember like the Virginia Tech kids, when, when the place went a little nuts, yeah. they were looking up like, what? did we get ourselves into today because we did not expect this today yeah so that's yeah that's and that's kind of the whole i've envisioned that that's what i envisioned from day one and it was starting to happen and but you still got to get over the hump at the national tournament and until you do that and and we finally did it uh with anthony parati which was incredible that's another incredible story out of nowhere he does it and all of a sudden i become a better coach which isn't true i was the same guy doing the same thing but the you know all those talks with other coaches started to change so you know that was that was really really difficult and i know i'm kind of i'm kind of going off tangent here but that's, that's all right that's yeah. all right that's what we do here it's fine there's no there's no there's no recipe here today we but, just do our thing but that was uh yeah that was a pretty hard part you know and then even even in some of the recruiting i would have kids from my town who i live in tom's river now who trained my son who was growing up in the club and they would flat out tell me well you don't have any all americans i'm like who's this 18 year old kid talking to me like who who's telling you this yeah. you know and it's just other coaches they don't have any all americans so those were some hard conversations to have yeah we're good you know what happened to winston how come Winston didn't win? Well, there's a whole bunch of, you know, Scotty was hurt. Scotty was banged up. Scotty was the face of our program. He had the burden of the whole university on his shoulders to break through and do it. There's a whole bunch of reasons. But I if to have a 17-year-old kid, 18-year-old kid, why don't you have All-America? That's coming from other coaches. And I get that. So, you know, whatever. It, we broke through and it snowballs and, you know, we've had one, then we have two, then we have two, then we have two. Now we've got guys that rank one or two in the country. So every year there's a couple of Americans. Every year we're knocking on the door to be a top 10 program. So a lot has changed in the last seven, eight years. Obviously a lot has changed in the last 12 years, but uh, we're in a really, really good spot right now. Talk about the scholarships, how many you had coming in and mm. what some of those other D1 programs have and, and what you had to do to kind of get on yeah. par with that. So when I first started, and this was part of the whole five-point plan, right, we were at 3.4 scholarships. So that means three and a half kids on our team are on some type of money. Now in wrestling, you could split it up. In football, for the people listening, football, you're on a full ride, you're on a full ride. Once you touch, you know, you're on a scholarship. There's no, you don't break them up. There's no partials. It's yeah. it's a full ride. But wrestling, we were at 3.4 my first year. So obviously every single day. I was the pain in the pain in the butt with the athletic director. I don't know what type of language we can use on this podcast, but I was the pain in the butt with the uh, athletic director. We have to get our scholarships up, so I went all over with donors, dinners. I eat a lot of good food all over the state. We got to get scholarships. We got to get scholarships, and it came to the point where our budget was good enough because everybody loved wrestling. They gave us a lot of money, but we weren't allowed to use it for scholarships. And I made this plea: if we're going to why don't you allow us to use it as long as we pay for women's scholarships? So those first couple years, we went from 3.4 to maybe 5.4. We got two scholarships, but I had to have women's sport. Now, that's some out-of-the-box thinking, right? No other coach in the country is probably going to go, listen, if you give us two, give the girls two yeah. also. No other coach is going into a program and saying that, listen, we want two, but I also want you to give the girls program. No one else is doing that. You're thinking no. out of the box a little bit with that. And give I yourself might, a little bit of credit. Well, a little bit. Yeah. Not a lot. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. But I, I honestly didn't even think we had that money. I just said it. Like, give. I just need two more scholarships. We got to go and get this kid. Right. And as it turned out, they're like, okay, if you're going to do that, and then we did a little work to do it. I don't even know. I'm sure they got their scholarships, obviously. But uh, we got it to about 5.4, and then Tim Pernetti gets hired and falls in love with wrestling. And that's the one thing I – 
I feel good about is every time an athletic, I've been through four athletic directors, I've been through four football coaches, I've been through four basketball coaches, nine strength and conditioning coaches, 10 academic advisors, everything's changing errors. I mean, Rutgers has been in the news quite a bit, right? So I get to know them all and I love, you know, I, I fall in love with the, fo- the football coach or I'm going to practice and I'm involved in their program and they're involved in our program. Same with basketball and I bring my recruits to those guys because basketball, football run the, mm-hmm. you know, they're supposed to run the, run the, run the engine and, uh, but even with our athletic director, Tim Panetti, young guy, played football at Rutgers, everybody's, oh, he's just a football guy, wrestling's gonna, furthest thing from the truth, he was, a, he became a wrestling guy and, Immediately, his first year on the job put us at fully funded 9.9. So we have 9.9 scholarships. Penn State has 9.9. Iowa has 9.9. College wrestling programs, if you're fully funded, you get 9.9. Right. So that's kind of where we're at. And uh, that's because of Tim Pernetti and obviously with the whole Mike Rice situation and, and basketball, Tim was released of his duties as a athletic director. And then we get Pat Hobbs, who his first day on the job is in our gym, in the rack, and we're wrestling Nebraska number four team in the country and we beat him he's a basketball guy from Seton Hall he immediately becomes a wrestling guy because he sees the potential of the rack 7,000 people we beat Nebraska and uh, you know we go from there he's become a huge wrestling fan but yeah we're at 9.9 I still I still rob Peter to pay Paul I still if I'm going to get uh, summer school funding I still give gymnastics money we still do that uh, because of title nine and all that stuff and we're in the Big Ten. We haven't gotten that money yet. We'll get that money in 2021, I believe. But until then, we're going to do whatever it takes to give our, our guys the best resources. And if that's putting 30 guys on some type of scholarship in the summer, we're going to do that. If we have to help another team, we'll do now, it. Now, what year did you guys go to that 9.9? I think that was Pernetti's first year. So, oh, man, off the top of my head, I'd probably be wrong if I said 2012, 2011. So we've been fully funded. We weren't all the way fully funded out of state. Mm-hmm. It was more of an in-state thing. And then there's now the whole cost of attendance where kids can get paid. So we were at that point now. So I want to say 2011, 2012, we became a fully funded program. So you going into the program, you know like some of the things that you have to work on. After you get in there and you're kind of in the trenches doing your, your normal thing, what are some of those unexpected things that pop up that you had like no idea you were like mind blown about a little bit? Yeah. Because yeah. you know that happens, right? Yeah, it does. Like I always said this, uh, it, coaching at the high school level was the most gratifying thing, right? Because you could you could take a kid out of the hallway, Frank Anderson, right, who would be great. Mm-hmm. And, or you could make him great for three months. And that was the biggest surprise. Those kids at Jackson, they freaking loved to wrestle. It didn't matter. I mean, they would, they'd be sick. They'd be out of school. You're not allowed to go to practice if you miss school. They'd show up at practice. They'd get out of a surgery. They'd show up at practice. They, they always wanted to wrestle, and they always wanted to train. They loved being around their teammates. That was probably the biggest adjustment for me was the college kids a little different, right? You've got 22-, 23-year-old you know, adults, so they may go to a great practice, and then you'd see him out at the bar at a restaurant <laughs> sipping on a cocktail. So it was like that was like, what is going on here? You have to live a certain lifestyle, championship lifestyle, to really be great. So that was a little bit different for me. I just thought, you know, it was like Jackson. Everybody just grew up. They loved being a part of that program. That's truly how it was. You played mm-hmm. football, you wrestled, and that was it, and that's all you did. And I didn't have to worry about that other stuff. Well, it became a whole other animal. So that was probably, that was probably the biggest thing. And then – 
when you're in college, you know, the academics is so important. So I always say this, the big three, socially, academically, athletically, and you have to be great in all three if you really want to be great. You know, you could be good, you could get away with it, mm-hmm. you could win matches, but to be great, you got to be solid in all three of those and you can't cut those corners. So when a kid's missing class and just deciding, I'm like, he doesn't have to go to class. There's nobody standing over him, get to class. It's not like you have eight periods, right? right. You have, you might have one class on a Tuesday. Well, it was a tough practice. I'm not going tonight. It, that was weird to me. Like, how do you not? I mean, I would listen. I wasn't the brain surgeon, you know. I was a two eight student, and that's probably fluffing it a little bit. But I never missed a class. I thought you, you, that's what mm-hmm. you do. You, you have to. And I had eight o'clocks every day. College, I never missed a class. So it was just weird to me how guys would skip and not care and, and be satisfied with C's. And if they're lucky, they're getting B's. So that was really, really difficult. They weren't competing in every area of their life. So that was really, really hard for me. Right. And that was probably the most. Probably the biggest adjustment. I think everything changed when we uh, recruited Anthony Ashnall. When I sat across from his dinner table and looked him in the eyes, and this is an 18-year-old kid, undefeated in high school wrestling at South Plainfield, won four state championships. His brother wrestled for me. Mm -hmm. His sister was our manager. He looked me in the eyes and basically... He didn't tell me what we needed to do, but he asked me really, really difficult questions about our program. And I was like, wow. And everything changed. Everything changed. Obviously, we get him. And that, again, another crazy story, getting Anthony Ashnall. But uh, it's uh, that's kind of where it started going. And, and, and the culture will never be the way any coach really always wants, wants it. it. Yeah, it's super hard. You know, the, those stories I tell you where guys will go sit, and that's still happening. Mm-hmm. They're 23 years old, you know. And uh, that that's probably the hardest part is to get a whole group of them to buy into your vision and what you're trying to do. Yeah. So you get the job there. You've done some kind of out of the box things too with the program. So talk about that a little bit. Like you wrestled in the football stadium. You really branded the wrestling program right through social, right through social media. Yeah, a lot, had a lot to do with it. You were yeah. supposed to go to the Yankee Stadium last year to wrestle, but they made the playoffs, so you guys kind of lost that. Got so talk screwed about, on that. Yeah, you got screwed at the stadium. Mm-hmm. But talk about that a little bit. Some of the stuff that you brought in that maybe even the really at the time the really big. Type, you know, ten schools weren't doing, and yeah. and you're doing here at Rutgers, and now kids are going, wow. Yeah. Like, so it's funny you say that because when I took the job, my and I take this job very very seriously. This part of it, when I said to you, I I would say to my wife, we're going to make Rutgers wrestling so relevant that it's going to be in everybody's on everybody's mind and everybody's face. It's going to be where it's got to a nauseum where either you love us or you hate us now, mm-hmm. right? But. I said, I'm going to make it where everybody knows what's going on on that campus. And that was like my job. And the next, you know, you fast forward a little bit. Now we got to start doing more. We're getting great crowds at the rack, but I want more. And then I had this idea to wrestle outside. Iowa beats me to it. They do it with Oklahoma State the year before in front of 42,000 people. Number one versus two in the country in Kinnick Stadium, 42,000 people. I'm like, God, I wanted to do that. I wanted to beat them to that. But they... They beat me to it, and that's fine. We end up doing it next year. The people at Rutgers think I'm crazy. You're going to wrestle outside November? It doesn't make sense. What if it rains? What if it's freezing cold? So we decide to do it, and we put – thank God we have – I ask Ryder to do it. They say, no, they don't want to get involved in tickets. They don't want to help us sell tickets. There's nothing to do with Rutgers wrestling. This is to keep wrestling, put wrestling on the forefront, make wrestling relevant, make wrestling great. You know, and have everybody excited about wrestling. So it wasn't about it, it was an event. It wasn't a dual meet with with riders. So they say no. Uh, Princeton jumps on board, and they go at it. They're like us. They're relentless. Their energy, their passion. They go after fans. They we're we're battling on the phone during the summer months, trying to who's going to call more high schools, who's going to get who. 
And next thing you know, there's 16,000 plus at a, at a dual meet in the corner of the end zone. Sells out the whole corner bowl of the south end zone at Rutgers Stadium. It was sick. It was awesome. And it ends up being 63 degrees. Now, six hours later, a storm rolls in. We're playing Penn State in football. Storm rolls in, slow, snow, sleet, hail, you know, And uh, but we get 63 degrees. Great experience. Next year, we're going to Yankee Stadium. I'm like, we wrestle in Madison Square Garden, getting ready to wrestle in Yankee Stadium. Like, who does that? Like, Bruce Springsteen does that. Billy Joel does that. Right, right. Scott Goodell's going to do that. You know, he's going to coach in Yankee Stadium. I always wanted to do it because my grandfather coached at Forbes Field, coached at Ebbets Field, coached in Yankee Stadium. So I was like, man, that's awesome, you know, when the— Brooklyn Dodgers were here and the Giants were here before they moved out west. My grandfather would coach in those stadiums because he was at Far Rockaway High School. So I'm like, I'm going to get to play Madison Square Garden, which we've done already, and, and, and Yankee Stadium. So we go to Yankee Stadium. It's all set up, and our football program doesn't want to do it. Our season ticket holders don't, don't want to do it. I'll never understand that. I really will never understand that. They want, a, they want a home game, but you get a chance to play in Yankee Stadium. I don't care. You do it. That's just my philosophy. You just do it. Yeah. So one day, 30 years down the line, you could say – you play, and our guys were all about it. And we still want to do it. But now I go to game five with my son, and I'm like, I'm a huge Yankee fan, so obviously we're rooting for him to win. But I'm sitting with the guys running this event who are in charge of the Yankees as well. They're PR people, and they're like, you know, fifth inning, this may not happen. We're not. We're probably not going to be able to do it because we got to set up for a parade. I go, parade? You're putting the horse, horse before the cart. What's the saying? You're putting yeah. the cart before the horse. Cart before the horse, yeah. I go, you're talking about a beating, you know, winning the World Series already. Let's. And I'm like... There's so much more that went into it, though. You had to bring in a whole separate grass, mm-hmm. artificial t- not artificial turf, but a brand-new grass, a football grass, mm-hmm. instead of the outfield. That, I didn't know that. I just thought you'd play right on that yeah, grass. Yeah, play right on the outfield. So they tell us it's not going to happen. We go right back into our stadium. And, and yeah, just, again, I'm rambling here, but to think outside the box, everybody was excited for it. I get the question to this day every day, when are you going to go back outside? What are you going to do next? Where are you going to go? So maybe it's the Intrepid. Maybe it's Atlantic City. Or not Atlantic City, I'm sorry, Asbury Park oh, is something great. we're thinking about doing because they used to have the state wrestling championships there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different What do the wrestlers think about that when they wrestle outside? Because wrestlers, they have their own little thing they like to do, right? They're like weird a little bit. Yeah. So what do they think? They're going outside. It's not, it's 60, it's 40. Are they freak a little bit about that or are they like pretty pumped just nah, to do it? Nah, you get that, you get that. It's weird. We prepare for it. So we'll go out leading up to both of those matches the last couple of years. We would go out Friday morning, 7 a.m., right? It's 40 degrees. It's chilly. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes single it up, and we start, you know, we work out. You know, we obviously don't put a mat down, but it's it's turf grass, so we can wrestle. And we're practicing out there 40 degrees at 7 a.m. So it's cold. They get a feel. We, we do a warm-up routine, and then, boom, we put our singlets on, and we start, we start rolling, you know? We start... Mm-hmm getting what it's going to be like and we always just talk there's no distractions it's this is what it is let's it's going to be 40 degrees and cold actually the last two years it was 62 degrees so it worked out but you can't use that as an excuse and it was just a they know it's an unbelievable opportunity again to put Rutgers wrestling in the forefront our guys believe in the same vision we believe in so they want to do that and now that's kind of it's kind of where it's at. And even those guys are like, what are we doing next? Where are we going next? Yeah. So, so that's great. That's great that the kids are yeah. on board with it, too. Because I could see some kids being like, nah, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? I could see that in some of those guys. But if your guys want to do it, that's great. Before we get into this, like, 2018, 2019 season, let's talk a little bit about high school sports, the recruiting process. Yeah. And your philosophy on kids specializing in, like, that one sport athlete, which I 
disagree with 100%. I hate when you're telling a 14-year-old boy or girl, yeah. hey, listen, you got to pick football, you got to pick baseball, you got to pick softball, you got to pick field hockey. So talk a little bit about your philosophy on like special, the specialization, specialization. and well, yeah. the multi-sport athlete, and then we'll go into how you recruit and what you look for when you're recruiting a yeah. high school kid. Because yeah. I think the parents out there listening would be pretty interested in that. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in a one-sport athlete. I mean, unfortunately, my sport, wrestling, that's what they're doing now. They get in these clubs and they give up everything. And I'll, I'll probably end up talking about my son quite a bit here because he's a perfect example. He's a high school sophomore who probably would like to wrestle, but he can't wrestle. He loves football and he loves baseball. And for him to wrestle and be able to be competitive, he'd have to go to club and he'd have to do it year round. That's just the way it's become. Mm-hmm. And these guys are doing it. Otherwise, he's going to lose a lot. And he doesn't want to do that, right? He's got too much pride to lose a lot. Even though all the benefits of wrestling are great, he doesn't want to do that. So he loves football. He loves baseball. Doesn't want to put the time in the offseason. He'd rather do those sports than wrestle. So it, wrestling's become so one-dimensional. Very rare do you see a two-sport. I, I love recruiting a two-sport athlete. A three-sport athlete's awesome, but they're just so few and far between. It just doesn't happen. I just think there's so much more. It's being around a different coach. It's being around another team. It's being, There's so much benefit to being in other sports. And and I, I've always said that, and that's kind of why we've always done that with our children. And, and it's just the one sport. It's killing it. It's killing high school sports. Yeah. It's killing it. You can't. What we did in 2006 and 2007, and we grabbed these kids out of the hallway, you can't do that anymore. No. Because they can't compete. I was reading the stat this year's NFL draft, the first 32 in, in the NFL draft, like 26 of them were like multi-sport athletes in yeah. high school. Three of them were like three-sport athletes in high school. And I, I take a look at it. The Giuseppe kid, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, out of Southern. Gilsecki, football, yep. yeah. basketball, yep. volleyball, goes to Penn State. I was a pro football player. Got drafted by the Miami. He's, He's going to be one of the best tight ends in the, in the, He's in the league. He's playing for the Dolphins right now. Yep. Three-sport athlete in high school. So I, I talk to kids about it all the time in the hallways about – Oh well, I just I just got to play soccer, and I'm like, well, why can't you play soccer and basketball? Yeah. Well, my club coach says That's... if I want to play on the club team, so you're making a 15 year old kid who isn't developed yet. Who, if you're taking a 15 year old boy, like it's just not the right thing to do by that kid. It might be the right thing to do for that club, but it's definitely not the right thing to do by the student. So talk about what you look for and the process you go through when you're recruiting well, I, a kid. Yeah, I look at all that. Like the, you're right, the club coach has killed this killed sports. And listen, I know they're making a living, so I'm not it's it's awesome and they're great at what they do and they may be but like you said, why can't you do both? Why can't you do more? But it's and I'll use soccer. You're right. You play for your high school team, and then you're on a club team. And a club team really probably takes precedent. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't know, but it probably takes precedent. So, um, yeah, I don't. I never understood that. I think that's hurting high school sports. Of course, uh, what I look for. Obviously, we're in the Big Ten. I'm looking for the best wrestler. So I'm gonna recruit a wrestler who's just wrestling. That's just the way it is. That's the way it's become. I'm not now. If I can get my hands on a football guy. If I, if I can go watch a Friday night, watch him play football, but he's a pretty good wrestler, that's awesome. I love to have that kid for the reasons I stated. Uh, it, it's In our sport, again, it's few and far between. But for me, obviously we're looking for the best guys in the country because we have to compete with Penn State, Iowa, you know, the best teams in the country. So we have to – you, you got to get the best guys. Kid, yeah, right. you have to get the kid. But there's so much more to it. And this – if I could get anything across today to parents who are listening, the character part of it – is so much it's so important let's say for example we're recruiting a 149 pounder now you got your five percenters right we just happen to get the number one kid in the country this year right he's a five percenter mm-hmm. those are they're, they're rare right they're rare 
Penn State's getting more five percenters than we are. Ohio State's getting more five percent, but we're getting them, but they're rare. The, the rest of the guys, and I, you know, they're there are a million of them. Right. There's a million guys ranked tenth in the country. Right. You're going to find a guy ranked tenth in the country, eleventh in the country. There's a million. So what separates you? Are you a two sport athlete? That helps. You put your character, how you how you are around your teammates. We're always going to go to the high school coach. So they think it's all about club. No, we're always going to talk to a high school coach. How are you around your teammates? How do you train? How do you prepare? Uh, and then for us, the most important thing is home visits. You okay. know, how you treat your parents. That's a huge, my, that's my philosophy. I need to see you in your house. I need to sit down at your table if we're really, really serious about you. The, the guys we've recruited and the guys we've gotten, let's say just this year, I've been in their houses. I've seen how they, you know, and will will we take a, a chance on a live wire? Yeah, we'll, we'll take a chance on a live wire. But our recruiting philosophy has changed a lot mm-hmm. because you have to be able to, I, told, I talked about the big three early on, socially, academically, and athletically. You have to be solid in all three if you're going to succeed with this, set, this schedule and in our program. If you're going to cut corners, you're never really, it doesn't matter how good you are. You're just not going to make it. So understand this, no matter how good you are and how many titles you win at the high school level, there's so much more to it that, that goes into it. And it's not just wrestling. So the home visits are really, really important. So how you, talk a little bit about that home visit. You, yeah. you knock, ring the doorbell, Coach Goodale's here. Well, they know we're coming. In. Yeah, they know we're coming. Sometimes I'll go by myself. A lot of times I'll go with a, a staff member. Uh, but for me, it's it's – their lifestyle or they live in a championship lifestyle listen I, I know every high school kid isn't the same and I know they're different but I've been in some some awesome houses and I've been in some crazy houses and what's weird and probably the weirdest thing I do is always ask to see someone's room so you have to go in their bedroom oh yeah you know we'll get through you know obviously what they're cooking is pretty important to me too are we going to eat or are we not going to eat listen we've showed up not knowing in the early years are we going to eat at this house or not Coach Leo and I would stop off at a restaurant, fill our fill our bellies up. Then we go in. Next thing you know, we're at an Italian mom's house. So that's stupid on us. How are we not? They're definitely going to cook for us. So I'll never forget Anthony Pofumi's house, and she came out with like, it was like a seven course meal. You know, Italian family seven course <laughs> meal. Meanwhile, we just had a burger and a beer down the road, and I'm have I got this seven. You got to eat it. You got to eat it. You got to eat it. Italian mommy ain't going to let you get yeah. up from that table. So. But yeah, I always ask, you know, after, you know, we start eating and have a meal and then I'll say, yeah, man, let's take a walk. Where do you live? And I always check their room. And and it's a lot of it's cool because you get these brackets from high school when all these kids are really, really little who they wrestled and at sick band, I'm 65. But then you get, you know, you get some some rooms. I've walked in and walked right out and said, we got to go. You know, just based on what's hanging on their walls. You your eyes shot. light up. Did her eyes light up a little bit? We go. Let me see your bedroom. I think they get. They're probably well. Some of them probably heard all this stuff before. Probably know what's coming. But you know, uh, yeah, probably a little bit. They're. I don't know if they get uncomfortable, but it starts by showing me the house, and you can't just sit there for three hours. You know, and yeah. But this one recruit we had, and I can't use his name because of NCAA rules. He takes us down to his basement this past spring, and we go in his basement, and it's full of water bottles and just hardcore weights him and his dad left i said we gotta get this guy we have to get this guy look at this this is a dungeon it's like our wrestling room and he comes down here and just throws around iron and trains and then he takes us up in his attic and there's box his dad was a boxer and there's bags boxing bags hanging up and ropes from the from the attic mm-hmm. i'm like we have to get this kid just based on the way he trains and prepares and lives his life we have to get him 
And so we, we, we do a lot of that. We do. There's been times just the way a kid speaks to his parents. We get up and leave, you know. Hey, listen, I got a phone. And, and those hurt because you spend so much time recruiting. But if they can't talk to their parents, what are they going to do to us at a big spot? Right. Right. So the, all that stuff matters. They Does think that conversation get a little weird when you're like. We're well, no, I've, there's been times I faked the phone call. My, hey, listen, my wife, I got something at home. I got to run. It's been awesome. And then, you know, you just stop. Stop calling. You know, that's just the way it is because, again, and our, that's changed. Back in the day, I would take, if you can wrestle, I would take you. And it's got me jammed up, you know, it's got mm-hmm. me jammed up. So uh, a character of so much, now, again, like I said, will we take, will we take a chance on a, a live? Well, I think for us, our, our philosophy is you, you got to be willing to work. And I, that sounds really, really easy. You got to be a hard worker. Well, everybody's a hard worker. At that level, yeah. everybody works hard. Everybody, especially at three o'clock, right? We're going to have a great, today's practice at three, everybody will work hard. Because you'll get lost, you'll get crushed, you'll get run out of the room if you don't. But what are you doing the rest of your time? Are you are you working out in the morning? Are you doing stuff at night? Are you do you come across our desk? Are you on point with everything? You can tell so much through the recruiting process. If the parents are speaking for the kids, you got problems. Yeah, you got problems. So you, I look at all that. I evaluate everything. And and uh, it's, there's been some interesting. You know, I'll tell you a quick story because I, I you know a lot of people I'm sure have heard this story, but we had a kid commit to us. And uh, he trained with us. He went on and won a junior national title. And as he was going through the junior nationals out in Fargo, he lost a match. But they all beat each other. Three guys beat each other. So it was a round robin. He had the most points. When he lost his match, I guess he felt pressure from the whole recruiting thing. On the floor at the Fargo Dome, he calls us. We're there. He calls us in the dome. He's like, I just want to commit to Rutgers. I can't handle all this. I feel like every time I'm wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he commits to Rutgers. Then he he has the most points. He goes on and wins junior nationals. So he won a, So we're going to have this Fargo national champ, probably our biggest recruit we'd ever gotten next to Winston. Uh, so now he wins Fargo. Now every other coach is on him. Now we have to go down and do a home visit. So I go down and do a home visit, get through meal, great meal. My college roommate is his high school coach. I think we're still going to get this kid. Is my high school coach, blah, blah. So I say, hey, man, let me check your room. He's like, yeah, come on up, coach. I go up in his room in uh, Iowa wrestling all over. Pictures of Gable, <laughs> brands, the Iowa mentality, the Iowa way. I said, let's go. I didn't even get it. I didn't even make it to the apple pie. So we're out of here. No we apple pie. We ain't getting this guy. Sure enough, he went on and wrestled at Iowa. Had a pretty good career at Iowa. Astronauts beating him before, so it kind of worked out for us. But that's that's the business. That's the, yeah. you know, and these, these guys growing up, it's Penn State, it's Iowa, now it's Ohio State, and you got to fight that. That's been the hardest thing, mm-hmm. being in the Big Ten. Everybody asks, well, has recruiting been easier? Well, we're on the best kids in the country because they want to be in the Big Ten, but you're also recruiting against the best guys. So. You're recruiting against the best kids in yeah. the country then, too, as well. Um, let's talk a little bit, before we talk about this 2018-2019 season, let's talk a little bit about how, like, your year goes. When does it ramp up? When are you slow? Like right now, obviously, you just guys opened up this weekend. You had a quad at the rack this weekend. Yep. So talk a little bit about how your season as a coach sure. starts from like slow time to busy time to kind of like where you are right now. And then we'll pick up with our, our lineup for this year. Yeah, I think when I started this thing 12, when I told you earlier, like it never ends. It was It's visiting all these schools. It never ends. That's like, when does it stop? It never stops. Recruiting never ends, first of all. And our our program now never I mean we have days where we're only practicing maybe two days excuse me two days a week in the summer Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean we're not going to visit people we're not going to national tournaments we have camps three weeks out of the summer two three weeks depending on the year out of the summer we're constantly doing satellite camps Uh, so it never really 
it never really slows down. We start our preseason right when we get back in September. Mm-hmm. Maybe August, we'd like them to get away from us a little bit. Just to relax. Our staff get gets away. away. Yeah, we're really good about I got a staff, and you know, I probably should have mentioned them earlier. But you Yeah, know, talk about them a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, John Leonardo, so I said, has been with me day one. I think our program, and John would admit this, our program changed uh, when we hired Donnie Pritzloff. He's the best coach in the country. I truly, truly believe that. Um, that's when it all kind of changed six years ago when we hired him. Parati was an All-American and picked up a phone, called Donnie. He was at Michigan, never thought he would leave, but he's a Jersey guy, so why not? Give it a shot. I feel good about myself. We just had an All-American. I don't have to hear that crap anymore. <laughs> Can't have All-Americans. I said, you know what? I'm going to call I'm going to call Pritzloff. And sure enough, he, he didn't say no. He didn't say no. So we went through the whole recruiting process, brought him in, and put a, <laughs> recruited the heck out of him, probably the best recruit I've ever gotten. But uh, – he comes and changes everything. And then Joe Pollard's been with me for seven or eight years and now is our director of wrestling operations. So uh, we got so much. We started this thing with John and myself, Frankie Egger, part-time. Now we have four guys on staff. Brian Murphy's our volunteer. Joe Pollard's our director of wrestling operations. Harry Turner, a local kid from Howell, New Jersey, went to Lock Haven and wrestled, came back. Now he's our recruiting coordinator slash student developer. Mm-hmm. We have our own strength coach. We have our own trainer. We have our own equipment guy. It's like we got a staff of 12 people. A lot has changed since 2008. So, One of the things I think you were good at doing when you were in Jackson was making everybody, whether it was the custodian or the nighttime guy, feel like they were part of that wrestling program. And I know you're doing the same thing that Rutgers. So talk a little bit about that because I know when you and I shared an office – you, you would always talk to me. The big thing was on Friday nights, you'd tell me to first play the game, and you'd be like, you can't tell anybody. I'm like, Scott, I won't tell anybody. Just tell me what the first play the game is. What are you running? And like, when you had the big wrestling match coming up, if you were bumping weights around, I'd be like, Scott, what's everybody doing? You're like, you can't tell anybody. I'm like, Scott, I want to hear it. I'm not telling anybody because I want to know next week what's going on. So I felt like I was on the staff when yeah. I was sharing that office with you, and you're like, everybody's going up. I'm like, no way, you're bumping everybody up. You're like, don't tell anybody. And I was like, he's not bumping everybody up. I'm like, there's no way in the world he's bumping everybody up. Yeah. And then I go to that wrestling match, and everybody's up a weight. I'm like, he wasn't lying in the office. So... That's one of the things I think you're good at is making everybody feel like they're yeah. part of that program. So what are the, some of the things you do up at Rutgers to do that? It's, it's the same way, man. Nothing nothing changes. We have a group of people that clean our wrestling room. You know, what what great people that are going to come and clean that wrestling room twice a day. So they're like beautiful people. They're awesome people. Our equipment manager, what kind of, right? You're doing socks and jocks. For 30 years he's been doing it. JR, he's the nicest guy in the world. Son goes there, plays baseball. Those guys are part of your vision. And some of them are girls. They're part of our vision. They're part of what we need to do. For us to be successful, we need a clean room. We need a clean locker room. It's got to be a place you can bring recruits and parents in and say, wow, this is something now we're getting a brand new facility coming. But everybody's important. Our announcer is important. Even at Jackson, we would, you and I would wait to hear game time temperature from Jim Colbert. Yeah. That's an important guy. He's invited to everything. He's part of your program. Our, you know, The guys running the clocks and all those guys, our managers, they're super important in what you're trying to do because you can't get things done without them. So, you know, I uh, again, my college roommate, Council Rock South, Brad Sill and Perry, is a really, really good friend of mine. He has, he calls it the power of the T-shirt. And I think we're both, both kind of doing the same thing. I just never had that in my head, the power of the T-shirt. Well, everybody in that facility is wearing Rutgers wrestling gear. Anytime I can give out a shirt, I personally buy, we buy shirts and we have boxes and boxes of shirts. And if we can get through wrestling camp with Gibson, not taking them home to his kids, that's a whole other story. But we, we give these shirts, and anybody who's involved or is excited about our program, we get them gear. We mm-hmm. give them shirts. We make them important. You know, they're a part of it. We never say no to a uh, 
to a photo opportunity. I mean, I've had, I'm not even embarrassed to say it. I think it's awesome. But I've had, like, married ladies crying this past weekend to get a picture with Nick Suriano. Literally crying because <laughs> her kids can take a picture with Nick. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, and Anthony has that same, and Nick Ravina have that same kind of aura about him now up there. But those people are important. So when they say we don't want anybody on the floor, we would say to them, this isn't basketball. We want our fans on the floor. After a wrestling match, it's wrestling. Yeah. They don't get the that notoriety. So let all these fans come on let the floor. Let them come down. So they come down, and our guys are super good, win or lose, taking pictures with these little ones. And my wife always told me this when it was really, really hard 12 years ago, and I was thinking, what did I do? We're 0-3. We're getting beat. First three duels, I think it was 100-4. to We won one match in the first three duels. I'm like, why would I ever leave Jackson for this, you know? And she's like, listen, you'll notice this 10, 12 years down the line when every kid growing up is wearing Rutgers wrestling gear and they want to be a part of yeah. and that's kind of and that has nothing to do with me that's just everybody involved in it but that's kind of what has started to happen and we got kids that want to come and wrestle at Rutgers and I don't say this in a bad way, but it's it's a great problem to have, but it's also a bad problem to have because they may not be at that level we're trying to right. get to. And now you got to tell a kid whose dream is to go wrestle at Rutgers because they grew up at the rack watching mm-hmm. all these great matches that, listen, you know, I don't know if you're going to be able to wrestle here. We'd love to have you. And that's been – that's probably the hardest part. We're only allowed to carry 30, and they better be pretty good, pretty because good. for us to compete. So I think one of the things when you find good coaches or – people at that high level is they're all just like nice dudes and I think you're a nice dude and everybody likes you sometimes it's hard when you're as good as you are doing what you do people start to what they like uh, I don't like that dude anymore because he thinks he's too big for his britches or, or yeah, whatever the case might never. be. Like my boy Ming behind the cameras right now. He's like, <laughs> he's been helping me out with the podcast. I, I met with him once in the summer and today and he's like the nicest guy in the world. And he, he's like, in in his world, he's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And, and he, you would never know, like he's giggling a little bit right now. But so I think when you meet people that are doing stuff that are good dudes, they're always more than willing to help out. They're always positive, right, when they're around people. Yeah, I always, I, I, I knew this sounds probably corny, but I always just want to serve our guys you know I always want to serve people I always want them to make them feel like whatever experience it is whether it's a fan coming to the rack or a donor who's found something they can really Mm -hmm. you know hold on to I want to make them and it's not fake it's not fake it's genuine I love having conversations I love I love people but I love serving our guys I love serving the fans I love serving our administration I love the fact we have our athletic departments into wrestling I'm just super into that and yeah I, I don't know i just think it's a great experience i think it's such a good time to be a Rutgers wrestling fan and i just know that place is dying for something and, and something really really successful and i want to give it to them and I, I don't know that's just kind of the way i live my life and again it has nothing to do with just me there's so many other people behind it but i go through my life every single day like who am i going to take care of today like we got to yeah. make sure and that's probably you know you asked earlier what's the hardest part about your job you never know what a kid's going through no. You never know. And, in, and if you're just going to be a coach and it's my way or the highway and we're going to run through a wall and we're going to be tough, it, it, th- those days are over. Yeah, like, there's really there's are. so much more. And that's the best part of my job is getting to know these guys when it's difficult, mm-hmm. is getting to know what's going on at home. My job is to know what's happening with their siblings. And people think I'm crazy. Why do you want to know all that? Because it's important. Yeah. I want to know brothers and sisters, moms and dads, grandparents, how, where they work, where they're from. And I think our staff does a really, really good job of that. It's it's so much more than just wrestling. Yeah, it is. Like even today, you know, like just having you come in to be the first guest on the show, like I appreciate that. And when I, I – we we bumped into some – I think that we bumped into at the school or something. I told
told you I was doing this? Yeah, you're always doing something crazy, though. So I never I know. know if it's real, if it's not real. No, you're, you're racing right. cars, you're playing tennis. I don't know what you're doing. No, I so. know you're right. But I was a little nervous. Asking, it was like asking my prom date out. Like, what if he says no? You know what I mean? I would but never say no. To I know. Me. Come on. I know. Come you on. were like so on board. But I had to think in my head a little bit. It's my first show. Nobody knows what I'm doing. Who's kind of crazy enough to come on? And yeah. I bumped into you. So like that worked out for me. So I, I do appreciate you coming in today oh, being the first awesome. guest. Let's talk a little bit about this this year and, and, your, and your lineup. So who we got at like 125 right yeah, now? Yeah, so... So, I mean, we're a week in, and it's pretty clear that Suriano's moved up to 133 pounds. He's a national finalist, obviously. He's one of the best kids in the country, um, pound for pound. He's great. And uh, so with him leaving, Shane Metzler it, it started the year off at 125. But we have this backup. We have this – no, I shouldn't say backup. That's not the right word. We have this kid redshirting from California, Nick Aguilar, who, who – are we going to pull him out of redshirt? See, again, there's so much more to it than just wrestling, and it's a mm-hmm. constant dialogue. Do we pull him out of redshirt? Do we not pull him out of redshirt? Do we keep him there for the future? Shane's really, really good. Uh, so we'll, for now, he'll stay in redshirt, and we'll wrestle Metzler. And we think Shane's really good. He won his dual meets last year at Wisconsin and Princeton literally won us the Wisconsin duel. And then if you know our program for Donnie Pritzoff, that's a big deal. He's a Wisconsin alum. So Soriano was hurt. Metzler steps in. He pins the kid who we've never beaten before. He does that. So Shane's our guy right now. We're, we're good with that. We're going forward, and we just got to get him better and get him prepared for this Big Ten season. 141, I, I talked about Soriano, obviously one of the faces of our program and around the country. 141, Mikey Van Brill's back, really getting pushed by Pete Lapari. Two really, really good guys uh, who on any given day could probably beat each other and can win at a high level. So uh, they wrestled as freshmen last year. Pete was a sophomore. He wrestled back up behind Mike. Um, but Mikey wrestled in the Big Tens as a freshman, which was a really good learning curve for him. And then we get our we get our guy back. You know, we get Anthony Ashnall back at 149, so that's awesome. And Anthony's been... I've, I've said it before, the face of our program, he's turned the whole program around. Uh, such a great ambassador, not only for Rutgers wrestling, but for Rutgers University. Just he's a good dude. Just a good dude. Like somebody you want around your kids. And that's, you know, going back to recruiting, that's really, it comes down to now where we're at in the program. You want to be able to get kids in your program you could bring around your children. And that just doesn't go for my children, but Donnie's and John's and Coach Pollard. So that's one of those guys. And you always want to be around them. And he's just, he's going to be a great coach. We're hoping he stays with us. He better stay with us. Yeah, let's hope so, right? That's the plan. But uh, just an awesome kid and a great family. 157, another great kid, Johnny Van Brill, uh, Mikey's brother. They come from a great wrestling family down South Jersey, Clearview. Johnny probably had the most roller coaster ride of anybody in our team last year he's up 8-5 to be an All-American at the National Tournament and the clock stops the clock just breaks stops so then they get the guy from Arizona State gets time we get time we're like listen you're up 8-5 like this is over you're gonna be all that's what we're thinking and he gives up a three-point lead with 18 sets hard to do yeah that's hard to do so it was crushing but he meets it head on and uh you know he's 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 an all-American type guy and he's just got to win that match but you know it's a hard thing to come back for from and but he'll do it and then 165 is uh, probably the most anticipated debut was Steph Glasgow last week everybody was waiting for Steph number one kid in the country coming out 2 years ago took a prep year at St. Benedict's came back to us this year he's up at 165 which most athletic kid I've ever coached by far Again, so much more goes into it. Your hygiene, your nutrition, your sleep habits, how you're managing your academics. If he can control all that and do a good job, which he is so far, he could be super, super special. Now, is he kind of in that national ranking scene yet? Is he, he just got a national ranking, yeah. The first one was the other day. He was number 20 in the country right now, and he wrestles number 15 this, this weekend. So 
he'll always. That's the one good thing about our schedule, right? You always have opportunities to move up just based on who we wrestled. Right. That being said, you always have chances to get move, knocked move off down yeah. as well. So, but he's super, super gifted. Uh, Joe Grello, one seventy four with Willie Scott, who's a local kid from Brick. Willie Scott does a great job, you know, going 74, 84, even 97. But Joe Grello's our starter at 74, two-time New Jersey State champ at a Bergen Catholic. Uh, had a really good freshman year last year, but he didn't qualify for the national tournament. So there's a sour taste with him. He's had a probably out of everybody our best offseason. He's had the best offseason. He's off a little season. hungry now after that. Yeah, I think so. He's a quiet kid, so you never, he'll never say it. But he's trained at an unbelievable pace and a great level, and he's going to have a good year. 184 to start the year will be Jordan Pagano. Nick Gravina was granted a six years, had a shoulder surgery. He's just starting now to get back into it. Whether he comes back or not will be up to Nick Ravina. But right now it's Jordan Pagano, who's a fifth-year guy. He's been with the program. He's he's won some big matches for us. Uh, certainly capable of doing some really good things. So we don't really take a step. You know, Nick Ravina is a three-time All-American, but we don't take much of a step step down there. Um, One ninety-seven. Matt Carrenti is a national qualifier, redshirted last year. He was actually beaten his wrestle-off by Max Wright. So there's a weight we kind of have depth. You have some depth uh, there. Yeah, we have some depth there, which we don't have a lot of depth, you know, across the board. It's uh, We're very top-heavy, which you, you kind of ought to get depth. But there's some weights like 57, 65. We don't even have a backup right now. So that could be dangerous. you got to stay healthy. But those two guys will go 97. And we got a transfer at heavyweight, Christian Colucci from Lehigh. So... From top to bottom, it's a very, very, very solid lineup. It's November, a lot of wrestling. Our guys are going to get better. They're going to get banged up. They're going to. We're going to have to be really, really smart with their bodies, health, and staying, staying healthy is the most important thing. But I think if this team enters the Big Ten tournament in March, we'll have a great March, and that's that's always the goal in this sport. Yeah, and that was kind of my lead in. What you know, your team expectations are for the end of the year in, in March, and and then some individual expectations. I know you got. Anthony coming back as a three-time All-American. Yeah. You got uh, Nick Soriano coming back as a runner-up last year at 125 pounds. So there, you. It looks good for March. It looks good right now. Yeah, on paper it looks great, you know. But it's about it's about staying healthy, healthy. and that's like the, you know, I was always, uh, you know, me. I'm so into these dual meets. I love the dual meets. My mind's kind of shifted a little bit to the national tournament because I see how it affects recruiting and how important it is. Uh, but yeah, we got some really good kids that could that could make a run at this thing and. From an individual standpoint, it looks great on paper. You yeah. know, getting them there healthy, it could be an unbelievable march. And that's, and we don't really. It's crazy. I never ask. This is just my philosophy. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I never ask a kid what their goal is. Now, mm-hmm. especially the freshman, right? What are they going to tell you? I want to win a national title. I want to be a national champ. Well, does your lifestyle match up to your goal? I, you know, so I'll wait. I'll wait until late December after the Midlands tournament usually, and then we'll have individual meetings and say, okay, what is your goal now? You can't tell me you want to be a national champ if you're failing classes, or you're missing practices, you're missing lifts, you're missing extra runs. You can't. You can't do that uh, if you're not even in the lineup. How are you going to win a national title? You got to make your team first. Right. So a lot changes, and the same thing with our team. We we have expectations. They're there. They're there from the wrestling community. They're there from the New Jersey community, uh, around the country. They're there. But I, I mean, I think if you were to ask our leaders, because I don't have captains, but if you ask our leaders like Ravina and and Anthony and even Nick or Jordan or Mikey Van Brill or Johnny Van Brill, they want to win a trophy. I know when. Anthony decided to come here. It was his goal to make Rockers wrestling great. And I, if you asked him, I would assume he'd say, I think we, we have the ability to win a trophy at the national tournament. 
and that's top four in the country. That's a hell of a tournament you're going to have to have. That's a great tournament. That's a hell of a tournament. And we were close last year. We were seven, eight, the whole, and then we get bounced. We didn't win a match the last day. We only had Del Vecchio was in the All-American rounds, and obviously we lost the final with Nick, but we could have been seventh or eighth. It's tough keeping kids healthy. I, I have that talk, yeah. talk all the time with the coaches at, at our place. Like They're like, we're so good. I'm like, everything has to go your way. Yeah from every bounce of the ball game of inches right hits the yep. post or goes in you know the kid runs in bounds kid catches the ball out of bounds then it's the difference in the touchdown everything has to go your way in in the wrestling season i mean six months how long's your season six months six about? months yeah you know so everything has to go your way yeah. for six months and that's that's hard to do for for anybody not just a college kid for the pros you know what I mean? that's a yeah. hard thing to do is stay healthy and everything go your way the academic piece the social yeah. piece you got to manage it, and that's part of our staff's job. It's an everyday job. You have to manage it. Yeah. You got to be able to do it, and it's it's never going to change, right? The sport's a brutal sport. Guys mm-hmm. are going to get hurt. Things are going to happen. I mean, I'm I'm freaked out about this weekend. Two dual meets. Nobody cares about what's going to happen in November. Yeah. But I'm competitive. I want to win at everything. I mean, that's just the way I am, and that's the way our staff is, and we want to win. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day. If we have to sit a kid out because of an injury, and I'm not saying we're doing that this weekend, but if we have to, we have to. Yeah. As long as we're prepared for March. And nobody remembered last year when we lost to Illinois out in Illinois. We sat four or five guys out, whether it was injury, sickness, uh, skin. Mm-hmm. Nobody remembers that. They remember we were seventh, eighth, ninth, the last day at the national tournament, and then the 174 pounder from Arizona State won national title, and we ended up 11th in the country. That's what they remember. Yeah. And so. You're right. Everything has to happen. It doesn't matter the level. It doesn't matter whether it's college, high school, recreation. Things got to work in your favor. You got to get a little bit of, you got to have some luck. You got to have some luck. No doubt about I'd rather, it. I'd rather be lucky than good. Yep. So that, that all goes into it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's part of it. Um, what I hope to do is have you guys back in like April, have you back, maybe yeah. a couple of the kids. That'd be awesome. Some of the All-Americans, yeah. hopefully, right? Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to let you get out of here. I've got one last question for you because you're so high energy. You're always on the go. This is our last question of the day, and then we'll wrap it up. What's Scott Goodale do to relax? Golf. Golf. Love golfing. I, uh, if I could golf every day of my life, and you and I used to play together, i play a lot. i play a lot of golf. Here's the thing. At Rutgers, the football coach doesn't golf. The basketball coach doesn't golf. But all these go, and there's so many nice courses in New Jersey. So all these donors are like, we hear the, we, and our athletic director golfs. We hear the wrestling coach golfs. So now it's become a point. I go all over and play these great courses. That's what I, and that's not even relaxing because I'm trying to win that too. You know, I mean, yeah. we have matches and, but I, I, I'm not a beach guy. My wife loves the beach. I, I could sit there for, I'll go down to Seaside Park within an hour. I'm down at Bum Rogers. I just can't sit there. It does nothing for me. Yeah. Um, I like to golf. I like to golf, and I like to say hanging out with my kids, it's relaxing, but they're at the point now they don't want to hang out with dad, so I yeah. don't even do that anymore, you know? So, but I love being a dad. That's the coolest part. You know, just talking about that real quick, and I know we have to end this, but that would be the one advice I would give the parents who are going through this whole not only recruiting process, but going into the process of middle school to high school sports is just be a, be your parent. Be a parent. Like, just be the parent. You're not yeah. their coach. Just be the parent and 
that's a hard thing to do. That was all, that's a hard thing for me to do. You don't think I want to get in the car ride home? And I say this all the time. A lot of careers have been ended on the car ride home. So you don't think I want to get in that car and be like, why didn't you get over the top of that? Why didn't you field that punt? What are you doing letting the kid from Freehold Township catch that ball in front of you? Jump that, knock it down. They can't kick a field. I want to say that. Yeah. I want to kill my, you know, because I watch my kid from the stands and I watch him wrestle. I watch him play baseball. I want to do that. But my only advice is just be a parent. I love being a parent. It's the coolest thing. I got a 17-year-old daughter who's awesome, super smart, beautiful, has a boyfriend. I tried to shake him up a little bit. I love the kid. Yeah. So that doesn't work either. He's such a nice kid. He's a baseball player. Uh, so I love being a parent. I guess I do that to relax. I love being around my kids. Uh, but probably golfing and golfing and just hanging out at home with my family is probably the coolest thing I do. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I have, a, you know, he's going to be four in January, and I just think it's the coolest thing. Like, yeah. Having a kid at home and all that stuff that goes along with it. Are you done? Or are you gonna are you gonna work on? The old lady wants another one. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you gotta go too. At least go boy. Once you go boy and girl, then you could be done. Yeah. No. The problem is if you go if you get two of the same, you're gonna want to go three. Yeah. Then you gotta go. And three. then the next thing you know, you're turning into four and becomes a circus. Yeah. I'm too old. I think I'm too yeah, old for that. That's no good. All right, Scott. Listen, I know you got to get out of here. You got to go do your stuff. Good luck. To, who you got this weekend, real quick? Utah Valley and first will wrestle App State, ranked 25th in the country. Utah Valley after. Uh, so we go 12-2 and two out up in uh, Schenectady, New York. All right. Good luck this weekend, Scott. Once again, thank you so much for coming in today. I appreciate it. All right. You're the man, Uppy. No, no, you're the man. I can't be the heck of a man when you're the man. <laughs> thank you so much for coming in, though. I appreciate it. Guys, have a good day, everybody. We'll see you next time.